You're listening to the Benchwarmers Podcast Network, and this is Ride the Pine. Welcome back to another episode of Ride the Pine, presented by the Benchwarmers Podcast Network. I'm your producer, Sean Sprout. Joining me, as always, Kenny Hudden, Adam Freeman, Cameron May, and back on his long hiatus, Charlie Vosbrink. How's it going, fellas? What's going on, everybody? Show feels a little bit lopsided having an extra person in here. Is that a fat joke? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Just because the boat's leaning one way doesn't mean you have to announce it. <laughs> I'll stay on one side, everybody else get to the other. It's all right. <laughs> we needed all hands on deck to keep the ship afloat this week. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to, of course, break down uh, NCAA tournament and, of course, our uh, bracket challenge. We've got our new punishment to announce, uh, the World Baseball Classic, and many, many other things. So, starting us off today, Cameron, you have the NCAA tournament. Yeah, so it's been an absolute bloodbath out there, a battlefield in the brackets. Everyone is everyone is falling apart. Adam, how excited are you to be done with your punishment now? I am so happy it's not me anymore. Can't, I, some, I think Kenny said the other day in our text thread, uh, not with Sean so we could discuss his punishment, uh, that my punishment was worse than Sean's punishment. And I 100% disagree because Sean at least gets to research his. Mine is given to me and I have 45 minutes to figure out what I'm going to be doing. No, yours is given to you and you have 45 minutes to not use it in the podcast. I don't think you even I attempted the last three. No, I attempted the last one and I think I got the last one. Did you? No, you failed the last one. I listened to it. I went back. Oh. You failed it. I thought you guys said I did get it. You were not even remotely close on that one. Damn I thought it. the only one that you got was erroneous, and that was a fucking softball. Correct. <laughs> Still stand by the fact that you guys don't use those, use those words every day. There's no way. Oh, no, absolutely not. Yeah, well, I definitely erroneous. use juxtaposition. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, a couple of them I had to Google first to make sure that I had the right word. <laughs> right. See? <laughs> and one of them Sean so, did. I don't remember which one, but one of them Sean recommended. Well, then it's going to be great watching Sean do his. So. Yeah. Anyway, so well, back to this uh, March Madness. We're finally down to the final four here. <laughs> we got San Diego, San Diego State University playing against FAU and Miami against UConn. Uh, everyone go ahead and raise your hand if you have that one marked on your boards. Just like we drew it up. For all you yeah. who aren't watching on video because we don't do it yet, no one raise their hands. So what do you guys think? Of all, all the Blue Blood teams essentially are out. Do you guys think that's something that's good for the tournament moving forward? Or do you think that's going to be the new norm? Do you think it's a one-time thing? Sean, what are your thoughts? It's it's a one-time thing. I mean, talent is spread around these days to, to you know significantly more schools, but you're going to start, you're still going to see that the top schools come through. There's a reason why they are considered the top schools. There's a reason why they have the recruiting power that they do. Um, it's awesome to see like San Diego state in, in the final four. That is very, very cool, but it's, it's more of a uh, outlier. It's not going to be the norm going forward. I, for one, I just, I just think that NIL has clearly ruined recruiting so that now all these blue bloods aren't getting their, aren't getting their guys. They're all going to San Diego State and FAU. But is that a problem? I mean, it was a joke, Adam. Oh. 
Clearly not a good one. Nobody likes it. <laughs> Straight over. <laughs> no, I was, I was I was joking about how people always talk about, oh, NIL is going to ruin everything because, you know, all the big guys oh, yeah. are going to get everybody. But they can't all be winners, works, all right? Isn't this what makes this tournament beautiful is that you can have an eight and a nine – or excuse me, it's San Diego State's a five, right? They're not. Yeah. A nine, they're not an eight. Um, play each other in the final four. Um, you know, and 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 I'll say this: I think Texas saw the writing on the wall and thought they were going to cakewalk into a national championship, and they really shit down their legs. Um, it was not a great performance by them. I. I <laughs> I feel like this is Miami's tournament to officially lose now at this point since they are the only Power 5 um, team. Uh, but UConn is – I mean, UConn is a traditional powerhouse even though, you know, the the uh, the shades of the Big East. So, Yeah, they were listening off the other day like what UConn's done in the past 25 years, and it's it's actually pretty impressive when you break it all down. Like it's, I think it's like three national championships, like five Final Fours. They won the Big East a ton of times. Like they're actually a pretty decent team. I would say that they're the favorite to win this. I, I think they have the better, the better roster in general. Um, but don't San Diego State and Florida Atlantic play each other? So at least you have one technically mid-major school. It's going to be well, I guess really the bit with UConn too. Um, you have three opportunities for real mid-major teams that are going to be in the championship game. Yeah, I'm 100 percent agree with these. You know, smaller school. You got FAU and S and San Diego State playing against each other. One of them, for sure, like you said, is going to be in the national championship game. I think that's great for the sport. It's it's interesting. You know, if 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 nothing else. Yeah, I mean, UConn has just cakewalked kind of the entire tournament, winning by twenty four, then by fifteen, then by twenty three, and then by twenty eight. I, I thought I thought they saw some stats. The first team to ever win their first four games by a minimum of fifteen points heading into the final four. Uh, that's just just dominating everyone that they've played. It was especially nice to see him just beat the brakes off of Arkansas. Uh, they don't even belong in the SEC to steal a joke. <laughs> and not only beating Arkansas like that, I mean, they handled Gonzaga too. And Gonzaga yeah. looked like a damn good team after they played UCLA. Let's not talk about that game, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm with Charlie. I think these having matchups like this is what makes – what makes March Madness the greatness that it is? Like, I think it was ESPN Seth Greenberg or some, one of their, it was one of their basketball guys is like, this isn't good for the sport. And you couldn't be more wrong. Like, you have so many people now that are way more invested than they ever were because you have, and you're going to have everybody that watches, but you have places like Florida Atlantic that are now greatly invested, San Diego State, greatly invested. I, I think it's great to have basically two giant programs on one side with UConn and Miami, and then you have San Diego State and Florida Atlantic on the other side. I think that's going to be – that's exactly what they need. And really, that's what the college football <laughs> needs too. It doesn't need to be 64 teams or 68 teams, whatever the hell it is. But, you know, getting somewhere in 16 or even 32 if you can, it would make for a very, very interesting postseason just like this. And then you're going to have a ton of random upsets. Well, wouldn't the argument be, and, and I didn't see, uh, you know, that take on ESPN, but wouldn't the argument be that you don't have like a powerhouse in there like Duke who has fans nationally and really globally to an extent, so you're not going to get the viewership for the finals that you normally would? 
Yeah, but you still are going to, a lot of those fans are going to watch no matter what. Like those blue blood, blue blood basketball schools are going to always watch because that's just what they do. That's what they grew up watching. That's what they went to school and watched. Now you have even more investment from everywhere else. And you have a whole lot more people that aren't even remotely invested. They're like, man, these two small teams have an opportunity. That's like when Loyola Chicago went to, they went to the national championship, didn't they? Uh, or, or they just get to the final four a few years ago. Um, but everybody was cheering for them. I mean, that's that's what you want to see is you want the underdog to have an opportunity. And it's probably one of the only only sports in college that actually has that opportunity. College baseball is close, but in the end, you're still going to have the big powerhouses on top. Every other sport in college is going to be that way until you get to men's basketball. Even women's basketball is not that way. Women's basketball is straight powerhouses. I, I think I think that is a lazy ESPN take by somebody who is just trying to appease to those fan bases, those angry fan bases like a UNC who didn't even make the tournament and probably spurred it and didn't watch it. Again, this is what makes this tournament beautiful is the fact that it is so random. And you know what? These, these schools, the Dukes of the world, the KUs, and whatever – school you want to add in the blue bloods are going to turn around in an instant because a recruiting class in college basketball takes one player it's not like a football program that takes you know years and years to turn the ship around it takes one player so yeah i i think it's a lazy take i would even take it a step further though like those teams aren't they don't they're not going to rebound like that's what makes college basketball March Madness so great is that you have one bad game. You know, I I know that Mizzou didn't play that well, but they are a better team than Providence. They should have beaten Providence, but they couldn't make a fucking basket. And we've said that all season with watching them is that they're going to be their downfall is going to be they can't rebound. And when they can't make baskets, then they can't get the ball back. Like all it takes is one game and all of those teams the true blue bloods lost because they had one downfall. They're not going to, nobody's worried about them not being back next year. It's, it's also so random. If you look at it, like look at the teams, Tennessee beat to get to where they were at or Arkansas, Arkansas knocks off Kansas, who was arguably the number one team. And we ran Arkansas out of the gym. Yeah. And Kansas ran us us out. So, I mean, I almost get what they're saying of, I mean, it will be a one-time, you know, temporary hit potentially of the national championship game this year. You may not have the crazy viewership numbers, but I think if you, you know, look out of this micro picture of this one tournament, I think next year it would just bring everyone more in, more invested from the very beginning, knowing that all of these teams have a chance since the blueprint has been shown this year. And, I mean, we're arguing about teams that do support their their athletic programs, right? Like San Diego State has a pretty good program. FAU is on and up and coming. They they showed like the campus celebration at the the sixteen team. What is it? Fairly Dickinson that beat um, Purdue, and it was like five kids. Nobody cared. So I mean, it's not like FDU made a run and nobody's paying attention. Kenny, you said that this is Miami's tournament to lose. Then you wouldn't say that about UConn as well. Say what about UConn? Or that it's their tournament to lose? Right. Yeah, I probably misspoke on that. I mean, I'll just be honest. Um, 
But to me, UConn has been on such a downward trajectory here recently. Like when I was in school, UConn was that was a team, right? Like, damn. 2008, um, 2009, right around that time. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, that's when I was there. So I've never seen someone cave on a take so fast. Yeah, that was quick. I've just, I've just been waiting the last five minutes to say that. I just wanted, I just needed a brief moment to throw that in there. Well, it, I mean, it is what it is. It, it, <clears throat> if I can't be honest with, you know, okay, yeah, maybe it was said, you know, I inserted my foot into my mouth. I don't give a shit. Like, okay, yeah, UConn's, a, UConn's been a pretty good team. I didn't realize they dogged everybody. I thought they only dogged uh, Gonzaga, so. No, they've been pretty pretty dominant, that's for sure. I see what you did there, Kenny. They dogged them, the Huskies. They dogged them. Well played. Mm. Didn't even think about it. Didn't even think about it. He redeemed himself. <laughs> Greatness just happens sometimes like that. All right, does, does anyone else have anything you guys want to mention from Sweet 16? No, let's go to the good, let's go to the good stuff. Anything yeah, particular? No, you're, are you guys ready to announce this winner? I know. We're not even going to throw in predictions <laughs> of who we, we're going to see in the final. Nobody wants to go oh, out on a limb. shit. I'll go out on a limb. I'll do it. I'm gonna, I'll go uh, UConn-San Diego State. UConn wins. I'm going to UConn, FAU. UConn wins. Retweet going to Charlie UConn, UConn, FAU. Uh, UConn wins. Uh, I'm with Adam. UConn, San Diego State. UConn wins. So that settles it. Miami's winning. <laughs> yeah, that's about how it goes. I mean, if you look at our picks, that's how it goes. Especially Sean's. Complete opposites. Yeah, you and I have the same picks, so you're fucked. <laughs> Speaking of picks, we have an official winner of our first fan-included challenge, our Ride the Pine Bracket Challenge. Big, big congrats to Tony D. Big winner. 39 correct Picks sixty three total points. So he got more. Uh, he got go more ahead picks and, right than Sean got points. He did by fourteen. Yes. <laughs> can let's just can we just say that let's not be proud of anybody's picks? Like yeah, was, whoever wins won by default. It was an awful <laughs> tournament by all of us. Just tonight goes. How did I finish fifth in your guys's pick them? That's pretty impressive. I'm like complete random. That's all it was. Uh, the wife who did participate finished above all of us. So yeah, they did. It, it's not doesn't look great for us. Uh, so let's see. Second, we got Jeffrey O, fifty five points. Then we have my wife tied with fifty five points. Uh, we have you still the first member of the Hutton family. Kansas yet? No, she was going for uh, the Jinx, uh, the true Jinx. Well, it worked, I guess. <laughs> uh, as far as we go here on the podcast, Kenny won with 47 points, 32 correct picks. Uh, Acknowledge next me. You, next, you have me with 46 points, 32 correct picks. Charlie with 45 points, 31 correct picks. Mm. Then we got a little bit of a drop-off. Adam at 36 points, 27 correct picks. And then just fall off a cliff, dig a little bit deeper, set off a bomb at the bottom of the ocean. Let the water fill in a road for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Set off another cataclysmic event, and then you might be able to find Sean somewhere a couple feet above the center of the earth with 25 points, 18 correct picks out of every single game. Sean died well, all just, the way to China. Let's just point something out, too. My coworker Ryan, who was in our, our, our pick'em, <laughs> finished 12 
up with 40 points and did not fill out his final four. <laughs> he just he filled out Sean. each one of the regions and said, fuck it, I'm done. I got to respect it. I'll be honest He beat Adam and Sean. <laughs> yeah, he still beat me too. <laughs> I'll be honest. That was the one guy that I was like, I've got to, I can't finish last in our group, like between the five of us, and I cannot finish below that guy. I just want all the teams to have fun. I just hope everybody Clearly. has a great time. <laughs> Four of them have so far. Good Lord. So, Charlie, I had to, after my disastrous challenge, I had to pick a word, or I was given a word, I had to work it in. What's Sean's punishment? So what we're going to have Sean do is he's going to give us a, we're going to pick a different obscure sport if you can even call it that, every week. And Sean's going to have to give us a short little book report style report on it. Um, just a quick history on it, you know, how it was created, how it came about, some facts about it, maybe give us some uh, some stats, MVP talk, if you got any of that. Uh, this week, to start everything off, we're going with chess boxing. Sean, take it away. Let me take you on a little bit of a journey right now. I want you guys to close your eyes, think back 20 years, 2003. Think about some of the great sports accomplishments from those years. You had the World Series champions, Florida Marlins. England won the Rugby World Cup. Buccaneers won the Super Bowl over the Raiders. New Jersey Devils won their Stanley Cup. Yeah, but what about All chess boxing? You're just, you're just stalling All of at this that point. Fail, will you shut up, Adam? I'm getting to it. All of that fa- pales in comparison to the creation of chess boxing. What is chess boxing? Let me tell you. First of all, it was created by Yepi Rubin, and I know I nailed that name. Nailed it. Uh, Sounds right. The first event was held in Amsterdam 2003 in a church. Uh, It consists of 11 rounds. The first round, you play chess. Then second round is boxing, so on and so forth, until you crown a champion. You can either win by checkmate or by knockout. How long are the rounds? So the rounds are actually four minutes for chess. Two minutes for boxing. But there's a little bit of a caveat to that. You have a nine-minute chess timer for each person. So if you exceed your chess timer, you can also lose. I Go see a lot on. of heads nodding on our video. <laughs> so I'm just making sure everybody, you know, stays We've all watched the Queen's Gambit. Listen, and I know what you're thinking. How do I qualify for chess boxing? Well, you have to have a chess rating of 1,800. Jesus. And that's it. And that's what it. does that mean? Is that good or bad? What is I'm it? assuming it's good. Yes. That is a very <laughs> that is a high chess that is a very high chess rating. I would imagine the average in this group is probably like forty. In in this group? In this group. I, in, I what's the generous. lowest you can go? Because that'd be me. I actually have no idea. I'm just making an assumption. I know that you can move the little tiny pieces with the bald head two two squares ahead. That's all like I, I got. said. Only on the first forty. <laughs> the fact that we're all from St. Louis and have this small of an amount of knowledge where, like, the Chess Museum of the United States is located is glaring. I'm so glad you said Cameron, I got a great story about this. I'm coming back. No, I'm so glad you said that, Cameron. No, we're moving on. I'm so glad you said that, Cameron, because you're probably thinking, how do I, if, could, if I competed in chess boxing, could I make a career out of it? The answer is no, because the average salary is only $37,000. So you could probably do it on the side, but you're not going anywhere with it, and you get to get punched in the face in between playing chess. Is it cash only, though? That remains to be seen. I'm not how many, how many chess boxing matches does it take to get that 37 Gs a year? Ooh, probably like four to five, I would have to say. It's not bad. I just made that up. I have no idea. Mm. Um, <laughs> you should have kept going. That was so convincing. You could have said any number and I'd have believed you. 
<laughs> 37. Uh, yeah. So is chess boxing still around? It Does it still exist? Unfortunately, there are no more sanctioned events, mm. but the most recent event happened in December of 2022 called the Mogul Chess Boxing Championship, which was held in Los Angeles, and it had a YouTube Live viewership of 315,000 people. So, I mean, largest growing sport in America? Who's to say? They draw more I think viewers it needs to be sponsored. It needs to be sponsored by Ride the Pine. That's the problem. How did the CW not jump out of their seat to sign them over live? Do you guys have any questions about chess boxing while we're at it? Is there a Hall of Fame? There's not a Hall of Fame, but I can tell you a couple names who right now are currently hold uh, the titles. That, I was going to say, that was going to uh, be my next question. Like, who's the GOAT chess boxer? Who's the John the John goat, of chess boxing? The GOAT. Uh, the goat in the chess chess boxing world, which I mean, obviously you're not familiar, you're not you know indoctrinated into the world like I am. Mm. But the lightweight champion is Morgan Rose Johnson, uh, who has held the title since 2012, but has only defended the title once because no one has rose up to take that title. I'm still just like blown away by that they have to have an 1800 score. That is just below some like masters like you're starting to get into like master yes. candidates as far as chess goes that's insane is there any sort of uh, other... like requirement on the boxing skill like you gotta you gotta have a certain amount for the chess is there anything for boxing from what i could find uh i, I don't think so you just I gotta have you just gotta have hands that fit in gloves. Just chess. yeah pretty much and based on some of the clips that i saw i think chess is probably the only qualification okay are not too many haymakers of, being thrown in this league is what you're saying? Not a lot of haymakers. <laughs> not a lot of landed but, haymakers, let me just say that. More like a slap boxing. Are thing. the use uh, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Are the use of the vibrating anal beads allowed, or is that banned much like in normal chess? I, I would imagine it's not allowed. However, I cannot confirm if it has been tried or not. Cameron, if you ask a question like that while I'm taking a drink of water again, I swear to God. <laughs> we almost just had it all over the camera. God, it almost, it almost went on the TV. It's topical. It happened within the past year. <laughs> I mean, are you guys even going to ask me who my favorite chess boxer is? Come Who's on. Who's your favorite chess boxer? I hope it's Thank Sean you. Mooney. Thank you, Kenny. It's actually Sergio the Phoenix LeVQ, who is a heavyweight champion and currently still holds the heavyweight title since June of 2016. I bet he couldn't fight Tyson Fury. <laughs> I bet Tyson Fury couldn't play chess. Good point. <laughs> He's busy singing karaoke. I, Listen, for one, am excited. I know that this is my punishment. I spent 48 hours researching this. I had the time of my life. I know this yeah, is supposed see, to be punishment. I have hours. a great we time here. This morning. Yeah, no, we yesterday. told you chess boxing this morning. Okay, we well, the 24 hours, excuse me. So I had a great time with it. Whatever. I watched probably like six different matches. Uh, I looked up the rankings. I'm in, I'm in the world now, guys. Yeah, 100%. I downloaded, I downloaded, the, chess, I downloaded the chess app to see if I can get my score up. Amendment to the punishment. Amendment to the punishment. Sean's got a uh, fight in a chess boxing match. <laughs> hey, you give me a solid year of training. I think I could do it. I think I could take down the uh, the lightweight championship. There's no way I could do the chess part. I'll compete in boxing for a couple minutes, and that's about it. Ro that's the thing, Morgan so you, Rose Johnson, I'm coming for you. Now, hold on. You said you, said you start <laughs> off with a round of chess first, or is it a round of boxing first? Chess first. And it's four minutes? 
four minutes. See, that's the thing. If I'm doing this, I would never even make it to the boxing. I'd get checkmated in the first four minutes. For the first four seconds, probably. You would probably go down as the worst chess boxer of all time. True. Say, somebody's got to be, right? A record's a record. All right, guys. So is that it? Let's is that move all on and got? talk about the uh, World Baseball <laughs> Classic. Japan I fucking tops. nailed that shit, by the way. Yeah. That, that was really good, for real. All right. World Baseball Classic, Japan wins their second title, this time over the home club Americans with uh, Shohei Otane. What are you shaking your head for? Third title. Third title. Oh, I thought somebody said, oh, okay, whatever. I don't care. We're all about Uh, the facts here, right? It's the exchange rate that screwed him up. It's okay. Well, no, I was more uh, wanted to get to that final at bat with Shohei Otane just bringing the straight heat. My God. And striking out teammate Mike Trout. Chatter. And then Guys, that fucking slider um, at the end. Oh my God. That slider was nasty. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him in a Cardinals uniform in a couple years. So a couple months. O- overall, what was you guys' thoughts on the tournament? Y'all it's finally up, it's finally over, getting man. set. And I think that it's something that catches on. I I mean the the amount of people that were actually paying attention this time around was way better, partially because I think there were so many more major leaguers that are actually playing in it. But you had massive crowds in a stadium that usually does not have a massive crowd. Um, I think it's it it takes time for something like this. It, it's only been what twenty or eighteen years or twenty years something like that since they did the first one. So I think. Now, if they get back to doing it consistently, they're going to be fine. Honestly, I think they should consider doing something like this way more frequent. Um, should they move it to every other year? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I would. It has is to it be. Currently? Is it, what, every three four. years now? Three four or four, years? I think, yeah. Yeah. Every other, other year. Three years. Every other year makes sense. I would even say every year. Why not? You're not going to get every year because that's – there's no way the MLBPA is going to allow it. I, I think you could definitely get two in. That's for sure. You have to do it in the winter um, almost at that point if you do it every year. Yeah. And then nobody's going to play. But you totally can. Around. You can do it in the winter. They played all the games in Miami anyway, right? When, when yeah, but you're asking these pros to play year-round. Yeah. That's where you're not going to get Oh, does the pro making $35 million not want to play? I, I, I agree with you. They're just not going to they they're not gonna do it. So. Well, it's, it's also not in the same – place every year it it doesn't right. always finish in miami yeah but i mean you can change that yeah you definitely could i just think it was all like i just think the overall buy-in was incredible you know i think you had so many guys like you have lars Nupar, who probably nobody outside anybody in st louis knows and now he's he has more followers on instagram i believe than the cardinals actually have followers on instagram which is absolutely incredible, all because of just just because he's grinding the pepper over in Japan. I mean, it that's a fantastic. That can be taken so many ways. Uh, Clip it. That's just <laughs> yeah. That's just incredible. That you get that, and I. It's so good for baseball. Like this is how they will need to market their players, and what's going to end up happening is they're not going to. They're not going to take any of the momentum that's coming off of this, and they're going to let it go. And then they're going to hope that it comes back in three or four years whenever they decide to do it again. Well, I think you have a little bit of an advantage this time because you have it 
more clearly marked out. They already announced when it's going to be. Mike Trout's already announced that he's coming back. The players are bought in. I mean, I remember watching it, what, the last one was four years ago? And that was whenever Charlie, Sean, and I were living together. And I remember sitting in our living room watching the USA versus the Dominican Republic. Really the first time that I actually cared about the World Baseball Classic. Adam Jones, man. And it was an all-time game. Robbery at the yeah. fence, pumping up the crowd behind Fantastic. him. Just incredible. Absolute scenes. And it immediately got me hooked of why are we not paying attention to this more often? And then it's it's really kind of vindicating to see this year with everyone buying in MLB players. It looks like ESPN and the networks bought in also on actually covering it somewhat. And, I mean, I don't really see it slowing down. It's It was awesome. It was great to see, and I think it's great for baseball. And I'm tired of everyone talking about the injuries. I mean, look at look at uh, what's his name from the Phillies who just tore his knee in half in a spring training game. So it could have happened. Anyone can get hurt, even if they're not at the World Baseball Classic. It's just a tired, lazy take. My my favorite thing out of the entire tournament was the espresso machine that the Italian team had in their dugout. <laughs> the the celebrations coming back from the home run, just hands up with the pinches. Love it. What about the product on the field? Uh, did Japan deserve to win it? Is it an upset that USA didn't take it home on, uh, you know, home field? I mean, you could say it was an upset, but I think the Japanese league is probably the second best league in the world. <laughs> so it's not like you you've got guys who are you know amateurs beating the Americans, right? This isn't the reverse of the miracle on ice. This is these are professionals beating professionals and. Again, we, we talked about him last week. Shohei Otane is just um, – he's something else. And that double – He's pretty good at that baseball thing. In, yeah, I mean, that double he ripped against Mexico is, is going to be something I'm going to, like, see in my mind. Just be like, ah, what's a good baseball hit look like? And just watch him rip it. So, Textbook. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say I think the product was fine. I, I don't think there was any issues with it. I think I think USA had lacked in pitching. I think they were they were vastly overrated when it came to pitch or overmatched when it came to pitching. Like Japan's pitching is completely down. When you have we have Darvish coming in in what the seventh or eighth inning, and then you have Otani coming out of the pen, and it's planned that way. If you can do that, your your pitching staff is stacked, and all of those guys throw some sort of voodoo pitch that just moves whatever direction it wants to pit, whatever direction it wants to go. Most of them can throw upper nineties to a hundred. They're a different breed of pitcher over there, and I think that's what makes Japan very interesting, especially for some guys that go over. Um, like you had Michaelis that went over to pitch, but you have other guys that are that are actual like batters that are field players that are going over there. Um, it's just, it, I agree. It's the second second best league in the world, probably. Um, and Japan deserved to win. They they played much better, and their their plan to get to a win was executed perfectly. Their atmosphere of their of their games too is kind of unrivaled in the sport as well. It's pretty freaking cool to see uh, their chanting and people dancing in the stands and having a great time because baseball is known to just hate young people and uh, have a giant stick up their butt. Uh, so to see a country who doesn't abide by those stupid rules come out and win and win the way that they did, pretty cool to see. I love the atmosphere in the stands. I think it's great. I mean... It- you play these games for the fans anyway, right? All these all these big national tournaments, the World Cup, the uh, the Olympic 
you know, when it comes to hockey, I know hockey is trying to do the World Cup of Hockey and the NHL's running it, so it's never going to get off the ground. Um, but all these big tournaments are really truly meant for the fans. So, like, I want the fans to have a good time. Um, and that's extremely important, and especially in baseball, you're right, where, where the games can be so boring. Like, a soccer atmosphere can change in an instant if the once the fans get involved and you start hearing the cheering. I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but that city game where we took RSL's fans out of it and it's, oh, top three hardest places to play. Dude, the game atmosphere shifted. And, and I think that I think it's needed in baseball. <clears throat> I think it is too. And I think the World Baseball Classic uh, is going to have a hand in that and is really going to influence the game over the next 10, 15, 20 years, especially if they move it up to you know two years or whatever from the format that it is now. The more games you have, the more uh, fan interaction that you have, the better, and that's what baseball's missing. I mean, here's another big thing that we, we're, we're, I'll kind of hint at. I mean, as, as the older generation that, oh, sit down, just watch the game, as, as they – move on and they don't go to the games and it's younger people you might get those atmospheres anyway um you know you see that's a lot if there's games. butts and seats though that's the whole that's my whole point like you that's have to show that atmosphere now to get those fans to come because in the sporting world there's too many options you have to have that atmosphere now you know what that's a fair point yeah i mean they show Crazy statistics as far as the difference in generations based on how interested they even are on sports, how often they'll sit down and actually watch a game or want to go to a game. And the drop-off, even from millennial to Gen Z, is drastic. It, it's like a 30% drop-off almost immediately, just generation to generation between the two. Like Younger kids aren't watching sports as much, so as much as we can get things like this shown and Hopefully something will go viral. You know, the pepper grinder did. So, I mean, at least there's that going on. So hopefully that will kind of jumpstart something and help baseball out. Well, hell, there's a problem, too, when you, you have all these apps that, you know, shove sports scores down your down your throat. And then, like me, all my team's scores are hidden. But if I update the app, all those selections get unselected. And then all of a sudden I'm getting blues games, and it's like I didn't want to see the game because I'm going to watch it later. And – then you're like, well, I'm not going to watch this game anymore. So let's go from one thing that has a massive fan interaction and will be around for years to come to something that is not going to be around for years to come. Uh, World Golf Championship, the Dell match play was this weekend. I, this is one of my favorite events, just not because of like what it is, but just because it's something different. You know, you're playing the field of 64, kind of like March Madness style. It's match play. Literally anybody can win. Um, I think yesterday was probably one of the greatest mornings of match play golf I've ever seen. Uh, you have Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. They go to the third playoff hole, um, and Scheffler was up for most of that match, and on the back nine, Burns caught him, ended up winning one up. And then McElroy and Young, kind of the same thing. Rory was up most of that match. Uh, Cam Young started catching at 16. They went to the final, or one extra playoff hole, um, and he won. Cam Young won one up. And then something absolutely magical happened because the PGA Tour sucks at their coverage. Sam Birds ran away with it and won on hole 12 while the consolation match was still going. And they awarded the trophy while the consolation match was still going <laughs> on the 12th green. 
They just let it ride. Absolutely incredible. The PGA Tour continues to fuck up every little bit of coverage they possibly can. Um, and they completely butchered this one. Um, did you guys catch it? What are your guys' thoughts on the World Golf Championship? I watched a lot of it uh, for the this past weekend. I I love match play golf, and I'm I'm a casual. I really only tune into uh, the majors, and then obviously the uh, the greatest tournament that there is, the uh, Phoenix Open, uh, Waste Management Classic. So I really only tune into those. But I man, I love match play. I watched the uh, the Roy McIlroy matchup um, for way too long on whatever that what day that was Saturday. Um, match play is how you get me um if there's stakes going in from hole to hole and it doesn't feel like it's just a drawn out and i have to wait you know three to four hours for the next matchup uh that's how you get me a casual so i i loved it i was all in on it so i'm gonna plead ignorance are they actually so they're doing away with match play yeah they are it's one of the great like it's it's not a a major it's not the phoenix open like it's not that big but it's such a big deal. Like it gets so much attention, and they decided, you know what? It's going to go because I believe the new, the way that they're doing the, uh, what Cameron? What's the word for the the bigger tournaments? Designated events. There it is. Now they're doing designated events. It's getting pushed off the calendar. They stupid. may bring it back, but they don't know when. Yeah, it's and absolutely the stupid. World, the World Golf Classics have been slowly falling off throughout the years, anyways. I mean, the Mexico. The World uh, World Golf Classic Mexico event fell off. They used to do one in Japan. That one fell off as well. Um, it does the match play one does really really hurt. Uh, the only silver lining is there's a lot of players speaking out that they want match play to come back. It won't be on next year's calendar. There's not room for it. They already announced that they can't do it. But there is hope that it'll be back in 2025. And honestly, hopefully it goes back to Austin Country Club. It's just a screwy quirky course a whole bunch of drivable par fours risk reward that 13th hole teeing off with the boats in the background full on grab your nutsack carry the water to hit the green or bail out and smash it into the grandstand to get tio relief is awesome yeah i think that course fits match play perfectly like literally from 12 on you have a a shot at craziness everything 12 is a downhill par five that goes dogleg to the right. There's a bunker at the turn, but it, it, most guys can clear it because it hits the hill and just rolls on right by it. Like, there's so many weird little ins and outs of that course that it makes match play perfect. And the other part of it is it makes it so much more like personality to the guys. Like you can see when they when they're talking about you know is your putt good, is it not good, you know that sort of thing. Like there's a little bit of gamesmanship in it versus just hitting your tee shot, walking down the fairway, talking to the guy, hit your next shot and keep on going. Like there's a little bit of strategy and they were talking about Cam Young was standing like five feet behind Rory as he was watching his putt. You don't do that. You know, any other tournament that doesn't happen, but he's standing there because it's just the pressure. He wants to make sure that he's getting his read and he's also going to put pressure on Rory. It's a fantastic tournament. Is that the same uh, uh, situation where they both called good, good and it was like an eight foot putt? No, it was something different. But I did tell my dad, like, we went over for uh, my sister-in-law's birthday, and I told my dad, I'm like, you know, if I was in the consolation match and I just lost in a playoff or in Scheffler's point, I think three playoff holes, I would go to the guy I'm playing with and say, hey, 
let's just do two putt rule. You get it on the green. We'll two putt everything. If you're you're on before I am, cool. If I'm on before you are, cool. And when we get to 16, let's see what's going on. And then let's actually play. Because the difference is only only a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, but they're still going to get 1.1 and 1.3 million dollars. So get through it, get done, and pray to God that you're not having a trophy handed out while you're still golfing. Hey, fuck it. Let's make it real interesting. Just go right back to COVID rules on those uh, on those runaway matches. Have the cup stick up a little bit. Right. <laughs> Let's get this thing moving. Yeah, uh, it was it was it was awesome to see just them handing out a trophy on the twelfth green, and then I'm sitting there talking to my brother. I'm like, hey, there's there's still another matchup going on, and I'm pretty sure it was tied on like the sixteenth green or something like that. I'm like. Are they just going to completely cut away from world number one and world number three to be able to to just show a trophy presentation? Well, no, they had to hurry up and, and get, that, get that done on the 12th hole so that those trophy people could run over to 18 real quick and meet them over there by the time they were ready. <laughs> yeah. It was... Getting so they're getting rid of match play. Is it really just a scheduling conflict? Is that really what we're calling it, or does or is it really more so the fact that it's just another example of PGA doesn't know what they have and they don't know how to market the personalities of their golfers? Yes, I mean Perfect. it's it it is one hundred percent both of those. Like I get what they're doing with the schedule and how they're trying to make it a little bit more condensed and. And all that stuff, but these guys love playing in it. And there's guys in it that, like Kevin Kisner, he is never going to win a U.S. Open. He's probably never going to win a, a Masters. He might win a PGA. He's never going to win over in Europe. So give him an opportunity to play these big matches that he's good. At. Like he thrives in match play. That's why he was on the Ryder Cup team, you know. But we're going to cut it because for whatever stupid reason, you find a reason to make sure that that match happens. And honestly, there was talks. I think it was I think it was in January of trying to find a way to and they have something coming up in the fall, but trying to combine all three of the major PGA t- leagues and have or whatever levels and have the women's, the senior, and the PGA tour all play on a team and do team style golf. I think that would be pretty interesting and do something like like kind of like Liv does, just for one match, just something different, get them all together. Have it do shotgun or whatever, do a scramble or something like the that. Last thing make the, it interesting. The last thing the PGA Tour is going to want to do is make an event that's modeled after something Liv does. There's no way they're going to ever do things with I don't know. I mean, I think that's why they're going away from match play. Let, let's, let's be realistic. Well, I mean, Liv doesn't do match play, so that's, that wouldn't work out that way. I think that's what, what I'm saying. saying is, I'm saying though, is Liv is kind of built on this idea that it's like there's a team game within the individual game. Oh it's yeah, not your tr- it's not your traditional golf. Yeah, right? but and, match play has been see, around for so long. But they don't do it anymore. They're not. They're not seating 32 guys at the PGA tournament and going up against each other anymore. Like they're yeah. literally just racing to the top. It is boring. This is a boring. Like, I mean, <laughs> this is this is the best thing about match play is it is exciting. You you just said the number one and the number three played against each other in the consolation round. Right. And nobody really you saw want, it. You want new stars? Have somebody knock off Rory or Scotty Scheffler and have them be in the finals. And then that, that 
I mean, what would you say? The guy was Cam Young? I, I don't know who that is. He's number 15 in the world. Okay. Well, Sam Burns, like is, rookie of the year last year. Sam Burns is number 16. He was, he's won actually five of his last 46 tournaments, so he's actually doing pretty well. Don't care. <laughs> Still thinks that the Phoenix Open or Waste Management Open is not a big deal. Don't care. <laughs> so back, back to the team thing. They already they do have a team event every year at the Zurich, Zurich Classic down they in do New have Orleans that. where two yeah. PGA Tour pros match up. And now they have the new one. I forgot the name of it. It's going to be in the off season in the fall. It's going to be an LPGA right. paired with the PGA player and doing the same kind of style. Which would be really interesting. Which, like, I, I think really I'll cool. actually watch it. Yeah, it, it's probably not going to be the most thrilling thing. It's probably going to be kind of hokey, but I still watch it. Like, I found for whatever weird reason, watching Nelly Nelly Corda swing a golf club is just like it's rhythmic. They, if you guys ever get a chance to just watch her swing, and I'm not doing this in any weird way, it's incredible how she swings. Like, it's so free and easy. It. It is a perfect image of what a golf swing should be. It's not Scotty Scheffler and his legs are flying around like he's doing Lord of the Dance. Um, I mean, it's it looks good, and let's, she's let's good at be golf. Let's frank. Most of any of our listeners, the only woman they're watching swing a golf club is Paige Speronic. So, come on. True. That is very true. But, yeah, it's disappointing it's leaving. Hopefully they figure a way to bring it back. Uh, Charlie apparently is gone. Um, so let's go, on, Charlie. let's go to news, not news. Uh, on the 21st, which was about a week ago, um, Sidney Crosby scored goal number 30 uh, for the 11th time in his career. Kenny, where does this put Crosby in history? You've got to consider Sidney Crosby top five of all time. The, the, there's no question in my mind that he is a top five hockey player ever i mean i don't know if i'm putting him on the route mount rushmore of like four um just outside so he's top five he's not top four (laughs) right now right now because i i feel like you can kind of get into the weeds and i know there's somebody who's going to be like well you got to put the rocket richard in there but like for me i'm looking at gretzky or an ovechkin and then I don't know who I'm going with for. I don't know if I'm going for Crosby. Are not putting Lemieux up there? <sighs> See, again, and, th- and that's where I'm conflicted. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gretzky. You're not putting the greatest set of lettuce of all time, Yarmir Yager, up there? Yes. <laughs> He's <laughs> – again, this is – this is it, it's probably controversial, but, I mean, if we were doing a true Mount Rushmore of hockey and you just looked at, like, the NHL, right, Gretzky and Ovechkin have to be on that 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 display, right? Um, Ovechkin is going to be the greatest goal scorer of history, and Gretzky is the greatest player who's ever played. And it gets into the weeds as far as who's going to be three or four in, in, in that discussion. And, you know, Sidney Crosby is somebody that I've grown to appreciate. I, I I didn't like Crosby at first. I thought he was a whiny bitch. Um, I mean, he could still be a whiny bitch for all I care, but the accomplishments he's had has been impressive. Um, and, and and you don't score 30 goals 11, 11 years out of how many times he's been in the league and not be considered top five. I would take it a little bit further off of that. If you take out of injuries, if he had been, been able to stay relatively healthy in his career, 
and he would be at the approximately same amount of games played as as Ovechkin. Ovechkin's at fourteen eighty two at Crosby's point per or point one point two nine points per game. Crosby would be eighth all time in total points in the NHL currently as he sits, and he still has probably three or four years to to go. Like he legit is up there now. Is is he? Mount Rushmore? I don't know. I don't think so. I think there's. I could probably put. I'd put four different people on there, and probably Ovechkin because of his goal scoring abilities. But he's got to be up there. Like he's. I hate him as his personality goes, but he's got to be up there as far as one of the best of all time. Yeah, Adam, I mean, you, you beat me too. And I was going to say the exact same thing about the injuries. Um, you, you know, he hasn't always been perfectly healthy and. And like you said, if he if he played all the full seasons, who knows where he'd be in the in the standings? But if we're going to talk Mount Rushmore, I, th- I mean, <clears throat> I think my like we all said, everybody's got to include Gretzky on there. I think I'd also put Lemieux and Ovechkin, and then I, I think you probably got to put Howe up there before you put Crosby. But like Kenny said, he's he's got to be number five. I mean, injuries are part of it. It's part of the story. We can't just take that out of it. And I think longevity in hockey is extremely important. I don't I don't understand how we're not putting Mark Messier above him. I would even say Bobby Hull above him. I think Yarmer Yager probably is above him. He's not in the top five for me. He's not even top two in his franchise for me. Whoa. He's Hmm. a great player. He's one of the best players of this generation. That does not put him in the top five of all time. I'm sorry. It doesn't. I'll give you top seven to ten. Hmm. I if I'm going on best of in his franchise, I'm probably going Lemieux. I'm going Yager because Yager played for them for a little bit, and I'm going Crosby. I mean, and you even have Ron Francis there too. Two first names. I mean, I, I get it that the stats may not necessarily be there. I mean, if if you look at his all time ranking on the goal scoring list, I think he's somewhere around thirty. But you also got to remember it's. He cap- he's captained this team for how many years now? He won how many cups with this team? Like, he is the guy that turned that franchise around at the end of the day. And they were, I mean, it, they were one of the most dominant teams in the league for a very long time while he was there. I'll push Sweet back Jesus. On Sean. Hold on. No, Sean's got a point. Lemieux played in only 915 games, and he had 1,700 points. That's I lot. didn't realize that he played that few games. That's a lot of points. That's like Gretzky. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Sean on this one. I I don't think he's top five. I think I think you can maybe put him top ten. I mean, he'd be lower down, closer to ten on that. I mean, of this generation, yeah, he's definitely probably two, three, somewhere in there, mixed in with. I mean, I think Ovi's above him. I mean, you also got to look at. I hate to say it, you got to look at Patrick Kane if you're looking at that generation as well on the cups alone. Wrong. Okay, no, get out of here. Absolutely. (laughs) I think your feed just dropped. You're wrong. You can get out of here. I mean, good. Charlie Charlie mentioned championships, and if we're going to do that in a team sport, then how about we throw go ahead and throw Larry Robinson in there? Anybody heard of Larry Robinson? Show of hands if you've heard of Larry Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's Mm, he was the janitor at my uh, high school. (laughs) (laughs) He won won multiple cups with the Montreal Canadiens. So I, I'm sorry, Stanley Cups to me aren't aren't in the conversation. Or if they are, they're they're, okay, well, they're hold a, on a side second. What part years of it. Did he play with the Canadians? Because I'm pretty sure they won like 20 of them over the course of 15 years, well before you were born. Exactly. Can I, can I throw one more stat out there for Crosby? 
His plus minus is 200. That plus minus is a joke. <laughs> I was I, waiting I do, for that. <laughs> I do want to say one more thing about it. Uh, something that Cameron said was about you know him being one of the greatest of this generation. I will admit that I have no knowledge of any thing in hockey from way back in the day. Kind of like Kenny said earlier, there's going to be somebody out there that's like, oh, you got to put you know Rocket Richard up there. Like, I don't know anything about those fucking guys. I'm just basing all my knowledge off of the you know 90s and on and then the little bit of highlights i've seen and we're, we're talking about all the goals he scored and his scoring record and everything that that's more like the the best score of all time which i think ovechkin would be in that conversation but best player of all time i think you need to consider people who did not just play uh center in left and right wing i think you need to throw defensemen in there as well so bobby Orr, who was the only defenseman to lead the league in scoring and score 30 plus and 40 plus goals he uh, is the only player ever win the norris trophy the art ross trophy the hart trophy and the con Smythe trophy all in one season he's on your mount rushmore he is significantly higher than crosby sean you are the jamie of the ride the pine podcast that is correct very that was very great research thank you on the fly too i love i love me some hockey <laughs> all right let's go to the next topic uh lamar jackson came out today he i just did? wanted to pause to see who said, <laughs> said something. sorry he did what <laughs> lamar jackson posted on twitter today a letter to his fans oh saying first i want to thank all of you for the love and support you consistently show towards me you're all amazing i pre- appreciate you all so much I want you to know not to believe everything you read. Let me answer your questions about my future plans. March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Ravens organization, for which the Ravens have not been interested in meeting my value. Uh, Everyone that's met me or been around me know I love the game of football. It's my dream to help a team win the Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. Basically, Lamar came out saying that he was asking to be traded on March 2nd, and then the Ravens went ahead and franchise tagged him on March 7th and is still not moved. He's still not going anywhere. He's not going to go to the Ravens. What the hell's up with that? I think because there's only one trade candidate, and it's the Green Bay Packers. Oof. I cannot see the mean. Packers uniform. Yeah, that's really hard just, to see. Yeah. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It's because Charlie can't see green. That yeah, is I've a fair point. Green, yeah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> or red. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I know for a fact that's true because look at my basketball picks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's that's pretty interesting though that he's coming out like it. Things must be that bad in Baltimore with him in the franchise that he is just going to come out guns and blaze and saying, "Look, I requested a trade," and then they franchise tag me, and now they're not going to trade me, like. Well, he's trying. He's got to try to get out of there. Here's the issue with that whole franchise tag argument. They gave him the whatever. What's the word for it? What do they call it? The um, limited, non exclusive, exclusive, non exclusive. So he's or non exclusive. He if he wants a trade, he's free to sign wherever he wants. No, he's not. I thought he was. I thought that was part of the thing. No, like he could he could sign wherever he wanted, and then if he did sign somewhere else, they had to give picks to Baltimore or something. No, so the non-exclusive tag is actually the more common of the two. Yeah, Cameron's always telling you the lies. Don't listen to him. The non-exclusive is actually the one that comes out more than the other. The exclusive tag is actually very rarely used. It just doesn't ever get tagged like this. The non-exclusive allows him to seek a trade to another team or to be signed by another team. The other team then submits it just like RFA and all that stuff to 
uh, in hockey to where they can match it. And if they decide to match it, then they can keep him. And if not, they will trade him and then they have to give up two first round picks. Was it on purpose the way he timed it out to put it out right for as sure. Harbaugh was getting up on stage for the for first sure. coaches meeting? <laughs> Yeah, that was all set. Like, and it's even it's all set because he knows that the best landing spot for him probably ends up being the Jets, who still cannot, for whatever reason, get a deal done with the Packers because of whatever the Packers are trying to get. Like, no other team is probably going to trade him because they're going to have to give him an ass loaded assets. When when the Ravens know they can get two first round picks for any deal that they have to match, why would they go and trade him right now? It's not worth it. You're going to go trade him to the Cardinals and you can get Kyler Murray in a first-round pick? Fuck that. Yeah, but if he stays and doesn't perform well, doesn't his stock go down? So you're you're diminishing your own returns? <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. Just get rid of him now. Just trade him. Just do what he wants. You're not going to yeah. go out and win the championship next year anyway. So We don't negotiate with terrorists, Sean. <laughs> right. <laughs> there, there are principles, and we are going to listen to those uh, principles. Honestly, I, I, it sounds like I was, you know, doing my best Alex Jones impersonation, but I truly believe Green Bay is probably the trading candidate, and they cannot get a deal done with the Jets for Aaron Rodgers, and Lamar Jackson is currently stuck in Baltimore. I think the landing spot is Detroit. I didn't think about it until I heard it today. Detroit has 20-something million dollars in cap space, and they could just trade Jared Goff and a first-round pick. My DeAndre Swift laden heart just skipped a beat. Oh, my yeah. God, that would be gorgeous. And that team is already projected to win the North next year. That would be a very interesting spot to go to. They have capital. They've got players. They're projected to win the North with Jarrett Goff as their quarterback? Yeah, that's how bad the North is. Yeah, so, yeah look at the other quarterback from that division. <laughs> right. Kirk Cousins, so, Fields, and question mark. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, I think eventually Aaron Rodgers is a Jet. I think eventually Lamar Jackson, honestly, is a Colt. That's probably the the most likely spot for him. Um, they, again, have a draft pick that's high. They've got quarterbacks they can give up. But, I mean, you have teams. That the, the most interesting one to me was you have Washington that came out and said that uh, they didn't want to – they didn't want to go with him because they had Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell as their quarterbacks. <laughs> no, I, I'm laughing because I saw um, who's who's the coach in uh, Miami right now. What's his name? Uh, oh, uh, Mike McDaniel's. Mike McDaniel's or said something like, "Holy sh- shit, the Commanders are worth that much!" And I couldn't even get free coffee when I was there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's interesting. So let's go to the last thing, uh, near and dear to our hearts. St. Louis City moves to five zero and zero. Great match against Real Salt Lake. Absolutely dominating, like Kenny said earlier. Completely knocking out the fan base. Although I think Apple did that themselves because they didn't want the fan base to be heard. Uh, that was an incredible game the other night, guys. Think think of how good that just sounded obviously all of us are biased here we're all st louis city fans but think of how good that just sounded expansion team 5-0 and 0 and dominant 5-0 and 0 as well yeah it wasn't even close oh but all the, no, I'll take it back the first so half. many goals 
it, it sounds great to anyone besides, I guess, if you're a column writer or power ranking writer for ESPN who uh, wants to just write our name, put a number next to it, and then move on to the next subject. Uh, absolutely gloss over anything that we've done, any accomplishments, anything <laughs> historical. Just a quick, uh, hey, you're ranked third. You're 5 and 0 uh, anyways, let me write this next three paragraphs about Austin. That would be cool. Uh, who was, who were the two teams above us, Cameron? Because I, I don't venture into those power rankings because you guys give me enough opinions about them anyway. LAFC and Seattle, I believe. John, that's okay. yeah, that that is correct. Which is also crazy because New England over in the East has four wins and one loss and has looked great in four out of those five games. And so, how are they not even in the top three? I'm convinced whoever does the power rankings over at ESPN has not watched a single game because even in their little rundown where they put St. Louis third, they did not mention that they were the first expansion team to win their first four. They did not mention that St. Louis is only the third team in the entire history of Major League Soccer to win their first five. And one of those teams did it during the shootout era when there were no ties. So it was win or lose for those teams. St. Louis has you know another option in there where they could draw as well. And the plus Wait, 11 the goal differential doesn't get talked about nearly enough. I mean, that's that's massive through the first five games. They Adding counted it. one of those undefeated teams with the shootout error? Correct, yeah. Oh, that's I believe, stupid. just off the top of my head, I think LA Galaxy back in 1996, so in the, the inaugural season, won their first eight when games could not end in a draw. They, they <laughs> went to that 35-yard shootout. And then Sporting Kansas City, after their their rebrand from um, Kansas City Wizards, the first year that they changed, they won their first seven. Uh, no shootouts. So very impressive when they did it. And then I think they won the championship the following year um, or right around that same time. Did Sporting Kansas City claim themselves as champions when they won <laughs> seven games? I'm pretty sure they trademarked it, actually. Is, is this the podcast that we should get into that? on uh, i know sean didn't want to touch it on put me in coach yeah because i didn't want to go on a long rant because i have very strong feelings about uh the organization of sporting kansas city and the current uh city of kansas city um i do have issues with them i wasn't really sure if i wanted to inundate matt on the put me in coach pod follow us on twitter uh, put me in coach pod i didn't know if i wanted to inundate him with all of that up front Letter rip, tater chip. Let's hear it. All right. The the city of Kansas City sucks dick. Like, a lot of dick. Uh, the Little to nothing original about that entire city. Uh, everything that they hold de- near and dear to their hearts came from somewhere else. That includes the Kansas City Chiefs because the owner's from Texas. That includes their barbecue because that came from Texas. Their soccer team stole the name Sporting from a team over in Portugal. And I'm pretty sure they haven't uh, gotten sued for that. Uh, But basically, the whole thing is that every city in some facet throughout time has tried to call themselves the soccer capital of America. And Kansas City has decided that they own that phrase. And they went out and trademarked it and then attempted or threatened to sue a St. Louis-based podcast for using that phrase as a name, even though the podcast was using it almost a full year uh, before they trademarked that phrase. So... I think that's dirty. I think that's low. I think that's pathetic. I think Sporting Kansas City is pathetic. I think their ownership is pathetic. And I think that city sucks a bag of dicks. Can we also point out that 
was it the mayor of Kansas City decided to light or what was it? He wanted to support Kansas State for whatever reason because because he has Kansas in the name, even though he's from Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas like Kansas City literally just needs to be picked up and put across the the state. Like let's just move it. Put it all you over in that crappy area claim, over there. You can't claim both. I'm sorry, you no. can't claim both. You can't act like you're the home of Kansas State and Kansas Jayhawks and at the same time talk about how you're Missouri's only uh or favorite, excuse me, soccer team or uh, shut up. I hate it. I hate it so much. And isn't Sporting Kansas City isn't even based in Kansas City. No, no, it's not. <laughs> they're, 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 park. They're, they're in Overland Park, Kansas. And if you've ever been there, which I know a majority of us, if not all of us, have, there is nothing by that stadium. Actually, I take that back. There is a Nebraska Furniture Mart across the street from the stadium. No, there is a really nice taco. Del Taco. I'm pretty sure we got picked up in a Cabela's parking lot by our Uber. So there's, I think there's one of those right there. Okay. Fine. Actually, Cabela's is pretty cool. I will give you that. And, and don't, besmirch Mart, the, don't besmirch the town of Overland Park because it's up in bumfuck Kansas. I don't even know where it's at. There's a NASCAR racetrack and then Casey Sporting. So let's go to our side of things. And I'm my computer had to get a charger back into it. So where do you guys think that this ends? I mean, I don't want to think of the negative side of it, but we have Minnesota up next. And then we have Seattle. Like, do we think we get to seven or no? I think this ends with us calling ourselves the Wizards. Oh, oh, we <laughs> we haven't moved. We moved on. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll stop bashing Kansas City. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get some lovely text messages for that. But uh, we play at home against Minnesota this upcoming weekend, and Minnesota is two and zero on the road, and they've looked very good on the road. Uh, they are missing their star player Reynoso who's been out the entire year, and despite that, they are doing very well in, in a playoff spot, and I want to say top five in the East off the top of my head. I don't have it in yeah, front of me. Yeah, sounds but, right. Uh, they're a good team. Don't overlook them. Um, if we do manage to win that away at Seattle is the true biggest test of, I think, the season. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a hell of a match if it gets to – because both of those teams are probably going to be undefeated going into that match. Uh, that would be my guess. Yeah, close yeah. to it. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, as far as City goes, I will say this. Um, the team was constructed perfectly to play this style that they have been playing. Um, the guy from, uh, it's uh, it's like Manuel Wirth or however you say his last name, the the German reporter does a lot. Yeah, does a lot of uh, Bundesliga stuff. Is like, this team's going to exploit weaknesses in MLS defensive lines. Um, that a lot of you know the the European leagues are obviously much better at, um, but I also got to say, man, what was Orlando City doing? Letting I'm going to butcher his name, and I've been saying it right all day. Giochini, damn it, I knew I was going to say it wrong. Gio, go like, how do you let Nico, that kid go Nico, in the expansion? Nico Giochini, 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 one of those. We'll go I with knew that. I was going to butcher it. I don't know how you yeah. let him go. I don't know how you don't protect him. I mean, I had a couple of caps for the U.S. men's national team even. I know he struggled with injuries in and out of form, but, I mean, Orlando isn't some place that's stacked and loaded with talent and running away with the league. 
to let someone like him go, I don't think. Well, Orlando is, is actually a very good team, and I think that they didn't protect him because they were trying to protect Pereira, who they did not think was going to leave them and go back home. And he ended up leaving in the offseason. I think that was a big part of it. Um, but, I mean, hindsight 2020, the guy has two goals already, and he looks really good playing off of Klaus's shoulder. Um, if I, if you're Orlando, you're probably kicking yourself because he, he could probably be starting every game for you to this point. And I'll also say that the talk is, is that our back line is going to get even better when uh, uh, Nielsen, Joachim Nielsen is finally cleared from injury. Mm-hmm. So in May, look out even more. Arguably the best center back in the league. And I said arguably, um, but he hasn't even played a game yet. And he comes with massive Bundesliga experience. Um, and he's played at some of the, the biggest clubs over in Germany. So he hasn't even played a game. He won't even be available until May at the earliest. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing it now. Sorry, Cameron. The, uh, the 03 04 Arsenal team is no longer the Unstoppables. It's uh, oh, oh. The, the 23 City Club. In, in, invincibles. 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 <laughs> what was the Unstoppables? There was, there, there's a reference there. Isn't it the Incredibles? It's the family where they're all superheroes. The baby can light on fire. Isn't that what you're <laughs> talking about? You're thinking of Incredibles that. 2. Oh, Incredibles 2. Yeah, that's right. Incredibles 1 does. No, they both have the baby. Are you guys talking about the baby? Movie didn't have like, the powers to the end, though. Are you guys talking Anyways, about Lester Stallone and uh, and Jason Statham? And... <laughs> no, no, that's that's Invincible. That's the one with Marky Mark for the Philadelphia Where's Eagles. Football. That's what you're yeah, those Eagles, right? Uh, are you talking about Anyways, the extraordinary gentleman? Or let's wrap up this shit show before it gets even more off the rails. Cameron, tell them how to hit us up on the socials. Yeah, big news, breaking news as far as the Twitter is concerned new at at pod ride the pine thanks to some clever manipulating by sean uh, he, was, he, was, here. he was able to go through uh apparently he trademarked it much like kansas city trademarked soccer capital uh <laughs> you can also follow us on instagram pod underscore ride the pine you can also follow <laughs> our sister podcast at put me in coach on twitter and our network at benchwarmer.net on Twitter. Beautiful we job. have to we have to tell that story. Like some we got tagged in some random like interview with a D one level basketball coach. They knew <laughs> to all of our new listeners. Maybe all of our new listeners, day. welcome. And uh, not what you expected, I imagine. No. And for Kansas City Sporting because I'm going to call him the reverse name from now on. I changed my name on Twitter. It's uh, Kenny, comma, cap, uh, soccer capitalist. Love it. Love it. All right, guys. Let's go ahead and call it a day. Um, great episode. Um, like Cameron said, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. And have a good night. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.